Welcome to Indie Depth, the show where we go in-depth with independent filmmakers about their filmmaking process. My name is Andrew Froning. I'll be your host today. My guest, director, writer, actor, Doug Bollinger. Welcome to the show, Doug. Andrew, how's it going? It's going all right, man. It's going all right. So, let's talk film. <laughs> all right. So, like a lot of other independent filmmakers, um, you wear a lot of hats. Um, do you have like preferences to like directing, acting, writing? Uh, great question. I think I think on different projects, I've liked one more than others, um, and and it, it I can't find a common denominator. There are times where I like the the solitude of writing, um, which is, certainly is happening now. We're all in solitude. <laughs> Um, the, the, the kind of overall immersive experience of acting has its appeal at times. And then the kind of overall creative process of being a director, being responsible for everything, um, is, is very cool at times and the most stressful of the three for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine, <laughs> especially on a feature now. Um, so you directed your feature, the Samaritan, which I can see in the poster behind you, which is awesome. Yep. And very, like, it's very, very simple design, just the light bulb. And yeah, and this is actually, you can appreciate this. this uh, my DP actually put this together. Oh, um, cool. Kind of for fun. Yeah, he just kind of put it for fun. And, and it's really representative of, of what was basically 90% of the way he lit the, the show. Yeah. One light bulb in the middle. Wow. So, and, yeah. and it looked great. So just knowing that is like, what? Yeah, <laughs> and people think they need modifiers and multi-thousand-dollar yeah. lights, and it's just not the case, you know. Bare bulb and maybe a little bit of flagging here and there, yeah. and you're all right. Um, so I was gonna say because like it's a minimalistic poster and it's it's very like emblematic of the way you went about this film. It takes place in a basement. Yeah. Yeah, we, we, there's three of us that work together on a bunch of films. Uh, Keith Collins, who's also an actor um, and a producer. Corey Green, who is a DP and editor. And myself. We, Keith kind of approached the two of us and said, hey, I, we've got some time. We've all kind of happened to have this same vacation. We all have regular paying <laughs> jobs. Uh, over Easter break, do you think we can make a feature in four days? And... Um, Corey had equipment, and he brought in um, a sound guy, Matt Gregor, who also did the color eventually on the post. And he said, all right, the four of us, let's do this. And, oh, by the way, Doug, you have to write it and direct it. So uh, <laughs> I, I, um, <laughs> I, I just started with an idea. I sat in my basement because I thought that would be the creepiest place. We knew it was going to be in the horror genre. I sat in my basement and imagined how the heck people could be stuck down there and why. And we knew that Keith and I were going to act in it. We got two actresses, uh, Annalise Nielsen and Timothy Harrison. And yeah, her real name is Timothy. Um, we had relationships with them already and brought them in. And I just it really, once, once the story started, it, it did kind of write itself. And I knew that we only had four days to do it. So we shot 20 pages a day, which for anybody that's ever shot anything kind of knows what that means. Yeah. Um, and so the lighting had to be minimal. The, the, the takes had to be minimal. All of the actors knew we weren't going to do more than three takes on anything. We shot in order, which is very rare, and, mm. but, but super cool. So we, we shot in order and 
I mean, we had the scripts on the ground and I had a monitor in my lap when the, when the frame was around here so I could see everything that was going on. <laughs> and uh, I really trusted Corey um, with, with what we saw and Matt with what we heard. And, and the actors just, they, we all had, we had to bring it. We didn't have a choice. And after four days of that, and uh, I feel bad for these girls stuck with us in the basement for four days, but we were, we were thrilled with what we had. And then we just slowly pieced it together and it turned out to be all right. All right, man. Uh, that's, that's very inspiring to know that, you know, you didn't even have any written and you're like, we have this four day period. Like how long did you have to write this? Uh, we, I had a couple of months. It was, it was the shortest, also the shortest time I've ever written anything. And I, when I, when I listen to anyone that says they wrote something and they, oh, I wrote this in a day or a weekend, it always bothers me because that's never happened for me Maybe ever. Maybe the first and, draft they wrote, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, the, so this, once I, and I knew the actors, the actors agreed to do it before there was a script, which was also just a lot of trust in us. And I appreciated that. We all had to really trust each other with this. And I kind of had them, I had the situation first and then figured out how to get them there and then why they couldn't get out. Those are the questions we had to answer. Why were they in there and why couldn't they get out? And, and because we didn't have access to these great effects or anything else, we, we got very creative in those parameters, I think made us, um, made us kind of tell the story in a way that we knew we could do. And I, and I think it turned out to be, to be pretty cool. So we kind of had them constrained in there by these entities that we couldn't see. And we made it a little bit more paranormal. And that was something that we kind of knew that we could do um, without these big gore effects or anything crazy. So it was it, fun. It really speaks to the, uh, the artistic um, limitations making your, your um, making you think special and original. A hundred percent. The parameters, those parameters kind of forced us to do it in a certain way. And we all knew that going in. And because of that, we found the best way to tell it simply. We, we, it was. I think it's overall a relatively simple story. Um, but because we all knew what we were getting into, we, we didn't have 10 takes to kind of find the way we wanted a specific shot or not. We, I had to try. There would be times where I'm looking at the monitor and I'd say, all right, Craig, that's great. And we all great. And we move on. And then we just we had to keep that pace. And, and it, uh, it turned out to be just a I w I don't want to do it again anytime soon because it's really stressful. Yeah. But it was a great experience. It was a great experience with six people. Sounds like it. A minimal crew, too. I, I love that you just had, you're acting, but you have the monitor in your lap. I, I love that because you don't need to go, oh, can I see playback? I, you know, you don't, have to, you don't have to guess. And if it's not your take, you don't have to move. You know, you don't have yeah, to reset yep. lighting. You don't have to sit down again. You don't have to know what was in front of you. You just look, tilt your head. <laughs> and, and the other thing, so we're, you know, the other thing we had to deal with was, okay, so there are ba there's these, you know, most basements have these little windows that are along the top of the basement from right. the ground outside. Those are the one things we had to deal with. And I remember Corey came down the day before. We kind of talked about what through what, what we wanted to do. And he actually put... Um, put a light in each window and then tented it in. So mm. we were shooting in the day and the night. So then it didn't matter what was going on outside. Oh, perfect. So that light always stayed the same. Um, so, and when it was, you know, the whole thing takes place really over the course of a few hours. So um, the idea that the light never changes outside makes sense. So that's what he created, which was, I thought was genius because then we never had to touch him. Yeah. And that's cool because it's a, it's a horror movie during the day. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, it was, it was a blast. So give everybody a rundown really quick on um, your film, because it's such a great concept. It really is. I, I, I just, I'm very proud of it. I'm so, um, I, it was six people that really just, just committed to, to spending four straight days together. Everyone stayed at my house. Um, so the basic premise is, is four people that work together in, um, it's product development and they're creating an app and they're a team that have only worked together virtually up to this point. It would be, it would be relevant now because all of us are working together virtually. Um, and they decide they have a deadline and they decide finally to get together in person, which they've never done before. So they get together in person at the manager's house and the four of them are a manager and that's Keith played the manager and there's, uh, the brains of the operation is, uh, Annalise. And then there's, um, you know, the social media expert, it was Daisy, and I was the old, Mark. I, I say the word old because I was usually the oldest of everyone. We make fun of the fact that I'm the old guy. Um, <laughs> the, the, the marketing, the creative marketing guy who comes in a Hawaiian shirt with a case of beer. Nice. So basically the four of us get together and, and create and come up with an idea for an app. And if, if I had any technical wherewithal, um, we maybe would have created this app, but it was spin the bottle for the for the phone and they celebrate the creation of this juvenile um app and as they're celebrating they they each pass out and they wake up and they're in the basement and they don't know why and they don't know what happened and they are they're restrained each on a chair and in the middle of the table with a bottle on the table um and basically they are they're down there they can't see the restraints which again because of the parameters of like tying us up or duct tape taping us up, I thought that's going to be a pain in the neck to move around. So, Hey, we're going to tell the story that we're being restrained by nothing. So all the actors that kind of hold themselves like they couldn't move. And it, it was a really fun acting experience. And then, um, as they're chatting and trying to figure out what the heck went on, the bottle starts spinning. And as it lands on someone, that someone gets, um, temporarily possessed and they get up from their seat and start taunting someone else at the table. So um, without giving anything away, the story basically evolves, and you find out that each of them have a secret that is revealed through this um, this torment down in the basement. I love that, because yeah. it's 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 character-driven. It is, it is. And then they, they the, especially the girls, I mean, Keith and I had other things in our mind. I think we're fine, but the girls are just phenomenal. They are really amazing in this. Yeah, everybody did a great job. And, um, again, the concept. Oh, it's so great. It's one, it's one of those things that could only come about by being artistic um, under constraint. Um, because, you know, you, yeah. look at, you look at Saw, you know, when that came out, they're like, oh, my God, the right. whole movie takes place in one plate. That's so brilliant. And, yeah. I mean, you don't need to, like, chase a train with a car you know to have a good movie <laughs> absolutely absolutely and and i've i've done movies that, that that have done exactly that and they're fun for a different reason but this this we we knew going in and it, it really was an experiment and you know and keith he said i think i can sell it if you, if we can make it and 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 Corey came at it from with his technical expertise and, and the equipment that we needed and 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 said we could do it then it was up to me to write it and 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 trust the team and I, I was thrilled with how it came out. We also, 
we ended up getting original music from a former student of mine, which really added to it. This this one song came became central to the story, mm. which we didn't know beforehand. That was something we discovered afterwards. That's great. That's great. Artistic yeah. under limitations. Yes. Parameters parameters help sometimes. <laughs> that movie sounds so efficient. Where yeah. where does that come from? Because I feel like a lot of um, newer filmmakers can not be as committal, and they might shoot you know a ton of coverage or you know shoot alternate ways of doing this. Um, what part of the plan? How much planning goes in to your project? I, that's a great question. I think that I think one of the differences with filmmakers kind of learning today as opposed to 20, 30 years ago when, when I started is that you, you, you can mess up way more now and that's okay. I think, listen, I'm not a grumpy old man. Oh, that used to be the good old days. No, I'm not, I'm not that kind of person. Um, I, when things get better, they get better and it's better. This stuff's better. It's great. But the advantage to, to learning with shooting on film, that's, that's what gets me. And I think efficient's the best word for it because you know, when, when we prepped for the shoot something, we knew how much each one minute take would cost. Like it, we knew that it was going to cost. It was the film. It was the print. It was, it was the time. It was deciding from those, from those four takes, which ones you actually wanted to print. Cause if you did all of them, it would just got too expensive. Yeah. Um, so, so those kinds of things. And again, it wasn't me. It was, it was this kind of grizzled old New York city independent film crew that I had working with me that they're the ones that taught me that they said, listen, you, 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 you can't just have a good time and do a million takes and a million setups. You just can't. Um, the best way it was described to me was, was from a, a DP that I, that I learned from and I love his name is Lee Bully. He's a professor down at one of the colleges down in Georgia now. And he said, independent filmmaking 101, you want three things. It's very simple. You want good, fast and cheap you're allowed to have two of them. So, <laughs> uh, so that was it. He said, you, you can, you cannot get all three. You just can't. So shooting on film, I think you can now, but I think you only can now if you have that same efficient mentality. Mm -hmm. I think if you have the mentality of, ah, it's great. We did, we can shoot it as much as we want, as long as we want. That's, that was never my approach. And, and I like that that's not my approach because that's still when we're shooting on, when we're shooting digitally and, and we have a hard drive that can hold as much as we want, we still try to be efficient with it. So what does that mean? That means planning, which is one of the words you asked in the beginning. That means we plan it. We don't just show up and say, Hmm, what do you think we can do here? That's fun and creative. Sometimes it is. And you see things that, that just, you can improvise and discover things. And it's great. But I'm 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 a big fan of planning. I think it's the most important part of the process. If you plan right, then within that plan, again with the, with the structure and the parameters, you can then find your creative room, sure. and you can you can make your day. You can finish your day. You're not and you're not asking people to work 16 hours a day every day because you are just I'm kind of sure what you want to do. That would that would drive me nuts as an actor, which is how I started all this. But as a filmmaker, learning on film really, really made me get efficient. No, that's good. And I storyboard a lot, too. And I remember one time for my web series, I had this this one sequence. And I storyboarded it. had, like, maybe 14 shots in it. And then when we got there on the day, 
I'm like, you know, this kind of just needs like a shot reverse shot. And that's that's all it needed, you know? It was just like these, mm. it was a wide lens and, you know, we just did kind of like medium shots and actors walked in, actors walked out, but that's all it needed. But yeah. doing that storyboard, I knew what the story was. Right. So, so that was my planning. My planning was really spending the time in that scene and saying, what am I trying to accomplish? And then when I got there, I was like, oh, well, I could just accomplish that more efficiently. Yeah. And the, the storyboarding I've done once in a while, but when Corey and I, who I mentioned already is the DP that I've worked with a ton, he and I, we, we approach it with a, with a bird's eye view and we, we look at the space and, and the blocking of actors and then kind of put, put our cameras where we want them from a, from a, and we, we both just happen to think that way. Um, so that's the way that we've kind of created our plan and it all comes down to the, the, the most important word that we've mentioned today, and that's story. It all is all dictated by the story. Um, and a, a good example of that is the, the latest feature, which I'm hoping is going to be done this summer, is called Rock, Paper, Scissors. And uh, again, as a writer-director, and um, as have a five-minute scene where the two main characters are arguing, and it is an intense marriage that may be breaking apart, and it's, it's wonderful. These actors are amazing. Uh, Timothy again, and this guy Jeff Herberty, and it's it's brilliant. I love it, and I I remember writing it, I remember shooting it, and then in editing, there's a moment where um, he gives a kisser in the kitchen, and she turns her cheek, and he kisses the cheek, and he walks away, and you see in her face that she's bummed out by it. That that said everything that that five minute scene said. We cut the scene. So again, dictated by the story, and and it was, right. you know it's one of those things. Where, oh man, we spent all this time; it was great. But you know what? The, the story still has to win, and I'm I'm okay with. It. I've developed that that editing uh, muscle where that I don't care if I wrote it or I'm in it or I I can cut it. I have no problem with that. So that's an example of that. It's I I wish I had made that decision before we spent three hours shooting that scene, but I didn't. But <laughs> you learn. <laughs> but you got what you needed. And the scene was That's affected, right. and, and it wasn't too long. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I'm all about um, being concise and telling a story in a very concise way. Because it doesn't need to be lengthy for the same... For, uh, doesn't need to be lengthy just to be lengthy, to, to be long. You know, longer doesn't equal better. No, definitely not. And what can... Did, did you? And here's the other thing sometimes we don't know, and you've been in this position too, working with actors, sometimes we don't know that we're going to get this amazing look from one character to another that just said everything in that, that our amazing monologue said, yeah. that now we can cut. Because that look said it all, and that's, that's, and that to me is why it is such a collaborative process. And when you get that from an actor who just gives a look, oh, okay, never mind, we don't need that monologue. I want... I remember one of the most impactful things I read when I was kind of forming it in my mind that I might want to do this um, was a book by uh, John Sales, The Eight Men Out, and, and a bunch of other things. And he said when he wrote, he actually wrote scenes way longer than he needed them to be, but he knew that going in. And he said that he wrote them longer because sometimes the actors would do stuff that he didn't kind of plan on, and he might be able to use it, hmm. and it would give the actors more kind of time to play, like a half a page more or less to, um, on the beginning and end than he would ever need. Oh, and he knew he was going to cut, but once in a, but he would, that would feed the actors even more. And then he would get more out of them. 
um, which I thought was a really, really kind of neat approach. Um, but yeah, efficiency and story are the two magic words here. Yeah, and do you think that he was he was talking about like leading in, like knowing where you're coming from? Yeah. Or oh, okay, yeah. all right. So more just about the yeah, performance than to like leading cut in the and, and sometimes that, Yeah, and then sometimes afterwards, and then and then within that, he might get a a look or something that he didn't expect that he could use within the within the meat of the scene. But yeah, I thought that was kind of that was kind of neat. Yeah, I, as an editor too, I always have to surf through my reactions. You know, don't just watch the person who's talking, but watch the reactions because that's that's the goal. That's the subtext. That's oh, the stuff yes, that you need. And, and that and that process, and that's one that I've that that I I have not done myself, but have but have put together. I've chosen things and sat looking over an editor's shoulder enough to 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 just love the process and getting back to efficiency. Corey and I work together. I know that he's going to edit it, and I'm going to be right there on it over his shoulder. We can also say when we're shooting, we don't need this. <clears throat> right. We don't need that part of this scene from this setup because we are definitely going to use that in this close-up that we already did. So, right. I think we know if if I think if a, if the director develops the editor's mind, they can be more efficient with what they're doing on set. They don't have to do the whole scene from every setup. Definitely, and it's funny that. You know, we have such different disciplines that go into this writing, you know, directing, acting, editing, but it all comes together and, you know, definitely in the editing room, but it all builds on each, uh, it all builds on everything that you've done before. So to know where you're going when you start out, I think that'll greatly help you make something that uh, will work. Yes, a hundred percent, and it, and it is. It's part of. It's that. It's having the plan, but then having the flexibility to alter it if along the way you find something, you discover something. A perfect example of that is where a movie called Walting Anna. We're shooting on a near a lake, and it's beautiful, and it's these amazing old character actors that I, I mean, as a young director, honestly, I just said action and cut. I gave them no notes. This was uh, these Pat Hingle and. Um, and Betsy Palmer, who and you know both of them. Betsy Palmer was the original Mrs. Voorhees, mm-hmm. and um, and Pat Hingle was was played Commissioner Gordon in all the original Batman movies, um, oh, okay. amongst you know a million other things. But so these guys are doing a scene by a lake, and they're they're amazing, they're brilliant. The lake's in the background; it's gorgeous. Well, there's a guy in a on a jet ski that just won't leave, and we can't control a whole lake. And so he's there, and he's there, and he's there. So he was so far away that we couldn't really see him. So what we did was we actually took some footage of him. And then we put it in the scene because then it explained that noise that we kept hearing. <laughs> and we just <laughs> just added a jet ski in the background so we saw it. So when we heard it, it didn't really it, – it made sense that we heard it throughout the scene. So we didn't plan on doing that, but there's some flexibility. <laughs> oh, that's great. And then having the confidence to do it too, knowing that you know down the line it'll work. Yeah. Yeah, and that and that that comes that that comes with the experience. Like the more you do it, the more you know what you can do. And you're right. That is that is something that builds, and especially with younger filmmakers, um, sometimes that confidence gets in their way because it's not earned yet. But then once it's there, then you just you just you just become so much better at it because you you learn from those mistakes, and you just you can be again more efficient in telling the story. Your director, writer, actor. How do those two like combine for you? When you're sitting down and performing, so 
as an and and I started as an actor, so I, I've got the most experience with that. So that was the one that I that I that I was the most confident in. That was the aspect of the storytelling that I that I had done and and had only had to worry about for for a long time, um, theater and film. And and even recently, it's been a blast because I've gotten back into some roles that where I just had to show up and act and didn't have to worry about everything else, which is so liberating. Um, I just did a feature called The Cattle Farmer, which which would have been in a film festival this week uh, if we weren't in the situation we're in. I do think it's going to be online, though, um, next week. I think the festival is going to be online. But in any event, so the acting part of it, I, I felt like I had a really strong foundation in. So for me, it is about like something like The, the Samaritans or some of the others. Um, I also acted in Rock, Paper, Scissors. Was, was having that foundation that I knew that I could fall back on, number one. And number two, I had to trust the people around me. I had to trust the DP especially, and also the first AD. And in, in so many smaller productions, independent, we, the first AD is something that many of us don't ever have. But that was one of my first jobs in the film world. So I also kind of have that mentality of a first AD, which, by the way, also helps to move things quicker. Yeah. Um, but I would trust them. I would trust those two. And... And I didn't. I was not interested in watching playback of me. I that I felt like it just negatively affected my performance. But as a director, sometimes you have to watch it. So be turning off the acting critic of myself, and then just looking and saying, "No, that just didn't feel right because of everything else, not just because of me." Um, we'll do it over again. So it is. It's a. It's a. It's a, it's a tricky balance. But if you trust the people around you. And you have confidence in your foundation, you're going to be fine. Yeah, good. And now, as for Samaritans, because we were talking about that before, you're mm -hmm. you got four people sitting down, and you know, you've got a script. You're directing. Uh, was there any time when you had to change something from the script because it wasn't working? And how did you handle that on set? I. I changed the least on that than anything I've ever written. And I'm okay changing stuff. I am not tied to it just because it came out of my mind. I am, I am so far beyond that. I'm okay cutting stuff. I can look at something that I've written and say, this is terrible, rewrite. Uh, with the Samaritans, it, we really stayed pretty true to the script. And there really are only a couple of moments where, where it was changed on the fly. And I said, yeah, 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 say it like this instead. Um, we did some read-throughs prior to shooting where I heard it out loud. To me as a writer, that's a big thing. I've done that with a lot of things that I've written is just hear it out loud. And, and sometimes if I hear it out loud, I realize, wow, that sounded way better in my head than out in the world. So <laughs> that needs to be changed or cut. Um, so with the Samaritans, we were pretty true to it. But with other things, I've, I've, we've changed on the fly. The, the, my next project, which I'm shooting in July, is a perfect example of that. It's a uh, it's a series called Scrawl, the series, and Scrawl is, and I'm acting in it too. So the I'm ready for that approach again. I'm ready. I have things that I think might work, but I know I'll change if I have to, and that's gonna I'm gonna rely on on the actors to do that. And that's a it's another thing where we're gonna do it in a tight space in a tight window of time, and um, it is it's a similar approach in that I like what I've written. I'm. I have backup plans for stuff already if I'm not, if it may not work. And then if I thought something worked and it really doesn't, then, I, then I've got to 
decide on the fly. But I, I have some backup plans too sometimes. Okay, yeah. Hey, always be prepared, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, and going back to the directing while acting angle, um, that's something that I feel it has to. There's separation between the two. So how do you how do you make those two come together when you know you're judging your own performance? I think that I think that I think I can do it because I've learned to not go to an either extreme when looking at myself. I think most actors watch themselves and love everything, or most actors watch themselves and hate everything. So to me, as long as you're not at the extremes of that, and I know that I'm not because I'm just very realistic about my performances and I and 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 even more so when editing. But I th I, I've, I've been realistic. I can be realistic about my writing and my directing, all of it. And with the acting, it's a little different because you're looking at my face on the screen and thinking that just didn't work for the story. That's not how I wanted to do it, but it does work for the story. Mm -hmm. I think that sometimes we get caught up in our expectations and think this is the way the way X has to be. And if it's not, then we just have to do it over and over again until we find that X. That is ruinous, I think. You, you've, you've got to have the open enough mind to say, oh, wait, I did not think of it that way. I didn't write it that way, but that works for the story. Hmm. Or that one or the last take could work. We'll figure it out. Net. We'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. One of either of those could work. Um, so it's more about not living in the extremes and saying everything is great or everything sucks because that's rarely the case. Well, that's good. And I think that also helps to when you're talking about shooting 20 pages a day to not yeah. say, ah, I need to do this eight times and I'll choose the best because I can't decide on set. Yeah. And, and, and it, and it, it still comes back to taking off, you know, you hear that kind of phrase, you taking off the actor hat, put on the director hat. It, it's so much about the overall pictures that we, we have, we know, we know when we have to finish. We know, we know what our plan was. We have a little wiggle room in there, but not a lot. So here it is. That's, and it's so fun having done that with this, some putting together some of the same team for this, for this, uh, this web series scrawl. We're shooting seven pages a day and everyone's like, what? this is going to be so easy. It's not going to be easy because that's normal. So we're, but, but you know, we're going to commit to working 10 hours a day. Like we're going to, we're going to give ourselves other parameters. So, um, so yeah, so that's, we'll, we'll put it into practice very soon. Hopefully when we're able to be near each other soon, we'll, we'll do that sometime this summer. Yeah. It gives you extra time to refine the scripts and second guess yourself. Third, triple, quadruple guess. hundred percent. And again, talk, getting back to talking about the parameters of storytelling, we decided that we wanted to do three minute episodes. So I've written three page episodes, which is so liberating because it's, 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 it's getting to that point with each episode is, is such a blast because again, you've got to be efficient. Can, can these guys look at each other and tell us the same story as these one page monologues? So we're getting back to that. And, and as an actor too, that's what we're, we've been talking about recently. And as an actor, knowing, wait, do I need this monologue? No, I don't. I can look at him and tell him the same story. So it's gonna, that's going to be a blast. Okay, so 
So now with all your experience, are you writing looks into the script or how are you handling the shorter time frame? Absolutely. It's, um, it's, it's funny. The, the first episode has three lines in it and three, actually three lines of dialogue. And, and it is, it is the, to give you the basic premise, it is a, it's a struggling writer who has found a kind of mysterious, potentially homeless person that, that writes, but can't sell his stuff. So he chains him up in his basement and makes him write. And then the unsuccessful writer, who's this very charming, good looking guy, sells it as his own. Oh, boy. Um, so it's, it's their <clears throat> relationship is the crux of the story. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, so the beginning is just trying to establish that and, and seeing someone writing in the basement and ultimately you see them chained up and, and you see someone upstairs kind of preparing to sell. Like, so we, they are hardly ever talk in this first episode. There are other episodes where it's a ton of dialogue, but yeah, I, I am, I am trying to incorporate that in, in these like three minute bursts of storytelling. And we committed to doing 10 episodes and you've done a web series. I know, and I loved it. And it like that efficient storytelling is, is, is even in a different mode now because it's these short bursts. It's not this, this arc of a 70, 80 or 90 minutes. It's these little three minute um, explosions of story. I, I like to say, yeah, that's neat. Cause you know, my whole um, uh, philosophy with the connection was these are going to be five minute episodes. And some of them went a little longer to last almost like a double length. But I I was really, it was liberating, like you said, to tell a story in five minutes and to really trim all the fat. Um, but what excites me about what you're talking about with Scrawl is you're incorporating more of the, the filmic elements that don't go along with dialogue. You know, the looks. Yes. The, you know, I'm imagining... Um, close-ups or you know like have you seen better call saul yeah 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 like what they do like you, you'll just be like what's going on here and then you pay attention you're like oh oh okay he's thinking this yeah yeah absolutely and <clears throat> and and because this this series is all about these two characters it's very much about how they interact and they eventually do but they spend a lot of time apart too mm -hmm. so what they're kind of thinking about is the and and if you couldn't guess i, I play the homeless guy <laughs> writer uh keith plays the good-looking salesman and um just even looking up at the ceiling of the basement knowing that the other dude's upstairs sitting comfortably talking to an agent trying to sell the story that i just wrote um a lot of that is 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 the looks between each other and and yes yeah, storytelling cinematic storytelling um, I try to imagine a lot of it saying, okay, I'm not allowed to use dialogue here. How could we tell this story? Ooh, interesting. And how could we tell this story? And we have, uh, so, so interesting. I, I, um, so I teach in a high school, we have access to some old props and stuff. So I actually found an old uh, vintage typewriter. Um, that'll be, that'll be part of, uh, that'll be on this character's desk in the basement. And it looks so amazing that I sent, sent pictures of the DP and said, well, we're putting that that will be on screen somehow. Let's 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 now because we've got this awesome thing. Let's use that to tell the story. Yeah. And because the typewriter and it's a story about writing, it totally makes sense. Um, but it also doesn't work. 
So we incorporate into the story that the typewriter that the lunkhead gave me to let write on doesn't work, but it's so beautiful that we're going to keep it there. So it, it kind of <laughs> helps. And we figure out, oh, it helps tell the story that that doesn't work. So now I'm like literally writing with a pencil and pad, which is way harder and more laborious, which adds to the fact that I'm basically his writing slave. And that's, it also adds to the fact that like, I guess he doesn't know that it doesn't work and he gives it to you. Like this, this guy doesn't know. <laughs> It, it kind of it tells the story in a different way. Yeah, yeah, it does. And he and and you know how clueless he is to be able to think that he could be a writer, and, and he doesn't even know something like that. And and they eventually address it, and and um, and it that and that came from sitting around during this pandemic. And Keith happens to be my neighbor, so we've spent a lot of time together during this. And and again, it, a lot of this comes from his challenges. That hey, we've never done a web series. Could we? Sure. Okay. Could you write it and make it like 10 episodes in three minutes? And he had all the, he gave me the parameters as someone who will, I mean, yeah, looking for YouTube, but who knows? You eventually try to sell it, but um, those are the parameters. So we put it together. That's exciting. Can't wait to see it. It's well, and this, this will be, this will be a blast because we'll shoot. I have three seasons planned. Oh, I don't okay. know if you did that. With actually, did you did you plan on any other season? Doing no, that I was I was happy that I wrote six episodes. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and I I think with this I already had I have three seasons in my head. So um, we plan to do whenever we're allowed to this summer, and then I have to work off my school schedule. Then we would shoot, we would release it in next year, so January February shoot season two in April over my spring break <laughs> and shoot season three next summer. So in one calendar year, having all three seasons shot um, with the idea that we're shooting four days, basically seven pages a day. So we're, we're kind of taking a little bit of the Samaritan's model without the page count and keeping it in a couple of locations, basically my house again um, and, and the neighbor in his house. So we'll keep it limited and yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. We, we, we just put our cast together, which is exciting. So we got some pretty cool people involved that, that we've worked with before. Oh, great. Looks like you got it all figured out and all planned. And that is the word of today. Planning. Do it. And you'll thank yourself later. <laughs> Doug, thanks so much. Um, where can we see your previous work? You know, social media links I'll have in the description. Sure. So we have, uh, especially, uh, we've used we've used Facebook to, to just kind of throw stuff out there. So for the Samaritans, it's the Samaritans on Facebook. Scrawl, the series, is also on Facebook. And we use Instagram. We use one Instagram to kind of promote all of our projects. And that's based on uh, Rock, Paper, Scissors. It's called RPS Thriller. Um, so we've got Instagram, RPS Thriller. And then on Facebook, if you look for... Samaritans, scroll the series, or rock, paper, scissors, you're fine. All right. Thanks again, Doug. Thank I'll you. have links to all those in the description. Make sure you subscribe. Like the video. Helps us out. And thank you very much for going Indie Depth.